Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of uh, Eating Road Bars. It's uh, February the 12th and uh, I'm Tom Moore and I'm joined by uh, Brentford fan Conor McCabe. Uh, Hello. And uh, we're, we're going to be uh, discussing some of the uh, the questions that some fans have been uh, putting to us on uh, social media. Connor's going to be the one uh, asking the questions, so uh, shall we uh, kick off? Okay, so the first question that came in was, uh, could the club done more to have kept hold of Las Avivo? To be honest... The short answer would be no, and uh, the re- the reason why is um, they just got an offer they couldn't refuse. It was almost yeah. As, as soon as sort of uh, with the the fee, um, I understand to be uh, three million for him. I, I I just immediately think of that scene from The Godfather where I make him an offer he can't refuse, and I just think it was almost one of those where when they get get that sort of offer. I mean, Lasser was obviously very keen to uh, to take on uh, a new challenge, and he's. Travelled a lot in his career. He he, he's an intelligent man, and um, from his perspective, I'm quite sure he'll be uh, able to set himself up for his retirement. Um, mm. I know from speaking to him, I asked him, I think it was Cardiff away last season, that had he thought about what he was going to do post career. I remember him saying, "Oh, I might do something with my degree. I might go into coaching." He, he wasn't overly sure, so I suppose mm. in a way that this sort of move could set him up for for the start of it. But I don't, I don't think there was really yeah. much the club have done more. I think I can agree with that. As was said on the last few podcasts, that you know, thirty-year-old striker, a couple of months left on his contract, three million pounds, a lot of money to a club like us, mm. makes sense for both parties really. And he's, of course, for him, well, all three parties being both clubs and the player himself, considering yeah. he's probably going to get his wages tripled, yeah. if not even more than that. So. Yeah. I, it's it, it's sad to lose him. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, of course. But I, I think it. I don't think anyone can really be, be yeah. blamed for I that think situation. His time sort of just come to an end. Really, yeah. I think it's a sort of a good timing to move on. As you said, he just wanted a new challenge in his career, and I think this was the best time to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely better than you know letting him go now than losing him on a free in the summer. Absolutely. I mean, I know there's a bit of a few few questions about that, so I'll sort of crack on with some of the other ones. So the second question was, so what is your view on the Lasso Vive deal, which I guess we've just kind of discussed, and uh, and do you think that it may prove to be a mistake that the club didn't get a replacement this transfer window? Um, uh, obviously, we're touching on old ground again uh, with uh, the Vive deal. I think it was a good deal for the club. Um, the problem is the January transfer window is a, a seller's market, as far as I'm concerned, is you're not going to get the right deal in January. I mean, if you look at the club's previous January signings over the last few years, I mean, obviously, Sergio Canos technically a January signing, but it was almost bringing back someone that we'd known before. So I don't, yeah. 
it, it's technically a January signing, but it's not one that I'd say is a major January signing. If you look uh, the year before, Bradford didn't sign anyone in January. If you, the year before that, in the Warburton season, you had uh, Jack O'Connell joining, and I know the club ended up making a, a profit on him, but I didn't see masses from him for for, ver- for various reasons, namely the form of other players. I mean, the last properly successful true January signing you could argue were James Starkowski and Alan Judge. Okay, Judge was a loan made permanent in the summer, but I would probably still class him more as a January signing than a, than yeah. a summer signing, as that was when he first came in. Is January's not Brentford's market. It, yeah. it, it, will, it never will be. So I think the, the real question you can ask is should the club have done something more in the last summer but if they'd done something and uh, Lasser had broken his leg in October time and then out then he's out of contract then yeah. the club wouldn't get three million it, it's a gamble and ov- obviously it's one that you've got to take and at, at the time do you want to risk say two two million or something on a striker even if they're not yeah. with the way Brentford plays, they don't. They may not even be getting into the squad or the team at all. So it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a tough one to, to say. But I'd probably say I don't think the club could have done much, much more in that in that instance. Yeah. I think as you said, Brentford's strategy has never really been a risky January signing. You know, with the way we always tend to be very smart with our transfers. So I don't think that we wanted to really rush into anything. So and in terms of whether it was a mistake not to get in a replacement, I think that comes down to what realistically what the aim for this season is. And, mm. you know, I think that's definitely open to interpretation, which I'm pretty sure is one of the next questions, actually, about, you know, the sort of predictions yeah. for the season so, I mean, and the aim. So, and I think, I don't think we're going to struggle, we'll, at least for the top half, like, no doubt about that in my mind. Um, but, yeah. of course, then there's a lot of teams that are in and around the playoffs. I know a lot of fans wanted us to try and go for it as much as even myself it's definitely a realistic target but I think after the last few weeks I think we might just slip behind I, I think um, I think to add to the, the sort of January one I, st- I still remember seeing Brentford sell DJ Campbell in replacement with Callum Willock so that was in 2006 so uh, that that was clearly a deal that didn't exactly go that well although his uh, air shot to win a penalty against Barnsley was absolutely hilariously funny yeah. but uh, on that that's sort of a digression. I mean, it is if you look back at the say the start of the season. I know we're probably now answering the next question here. Is if you look at the drop points and all that, yeah. is maybe if Brentford hadn't dropped those points and were maybe nestled in the top six, maybe the club would have gone right. We're not selling anyone. We're yeah. going for it, and it would have been different. So. I mean, I wasn't sure with the position the club were in, just hovering outside the playoffs, whether that would be enough yeah. to tempt Matthew Benham to say, right, I'm going for it, yeah, so I think course. there's a chance. Is I did not wonder whether the I'm going for it extended to having a, not not letting anyone go, but then with that sort of fee, I think... Uh, yeah. No, I think obviously realistically, like people, Benham, Giles, Ankerson, obviously they would have all looked at our situation and obviously realistically obsessed uh, sorry uh, assessed where yeah. you know we're likely to finish and I think that you know 
realistically, I don't know if it made sense to bring in somebody this money. Uh, sorry, this window, especially for you know potentially a big amount of money. Maybe someone on loan, you know, something like that. A slightly yeah. less riskier signing, even then. But you know, still, I think we've got a it's a pretty compact squad right now. So, I mean, I think with that, just to add to that again, is um, I would quite like to see a. I'd quite like to have seen a bona fide left back come in in January. Yeah, and. With that's the fact that we commented on a couple of weeks ago again as well, you know, yeah. a left back was probably one of the main targets we'd have liked to have seen come in. Yeah. So, because obviously Josh Clark's more of a right sided player. Yeah. Know, Barbe's said publicly he's a centre back, not. Yeah. He, he prefers playing centre back, so it, it's one way you could have said that's something that needs to be addressed with Rico Henry out, but mm. with him back for next season, it's probably not something to be worried too much about. Definitely. So, uh, on to the next question then, So, which is the predictions for the championship season, being both for Brentford and for the other teams in the league. Um, Brentford, <laughs> top ten. I, I yeah. think the target I, I would always set a club, and this is always how I've always looked at it, is beat last season's total. Yeah. They've just failed to do that last year in relation to the year before. I'd like to see them beat last season and the year before as yeah. points tally I think that's a that's a realistic goal that, for sure it's, it's a fair goal to go for then you can say we've made we've made progress because obviously yeah. you're one point shy so you've pretty much stayed where you are is yeah so that is you you can make your they maintain the position so I'd, I'd just like I'd just like to see at least maybe three points more than yeah. say the last couple of years I think that's a, a realistic target as the rest of the league uh, Wolves champions by a mile yeah. And then second place, I see it as Derby for me. I see it as between Derby and Villa. Villa have the momentum at yeah, the moment def- as Villa, well. They've caught up quite a lot, haven't they? They've got a real good run of form. Yeah. I, I mean, think it could be both of them going up. Whether that's one of them through the playoffs. Yeah, um, I'd probably back those game. two to go up. Yeah. Although you can never rule out Cardiff and Neil Warnock side. Fulham have a lot of momentum yeah. as well. And the thing is, is playoffs are very different, though, aren't they? You know, you mean over two legs. Like, I, if for example, we're in the playoffs, I could fancy us to do certain teams over two legs, like maybe Cardiff or Fulham. Like, you know, teams like that. Like, you know, you never know what could happen over two games. Yeah, and that, and that that's the thing. The playoffs are a lottery. I think um, if, if we look back to last year's playoffs, um, footballing wise, Fulham were the best side in the playoffs. Definitely, Huddersfield and Reading were probably the two of the weaker side, the two weakest sides footballing wise. They were the ones in the Definitely final. Reading, yes. Hud- and Hud- and that was one of the worst games of football you you could ever wish to see. It yeah. it, it didn't re- the, the quality of the game and the in- entertainment factor didn't merit, didn't deserve Wembley. It deserved oh, yeah. the Gunnersby Park down the road. I mean, I was almost rooting for Reading to go up to be honest, just so we don't have to play against them this year. I mean, with that I, I, was re- I was rooting for Huddersfield just so I didn't have to make a long journey up there again. Oh, I have to be against you on that one. I, <laughs> I quite like Huddersfield away. You know, it's a good away day. It's, it's, so. it's a good away day, but just with so many games up north, I, I yeah. thought having at least one local game would be nice. No, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for me, Derby and Villa probably, and then as for Brentford, it's yeah, just like you said, top ten. I think is a pretty realistic aim. A lot of teams were fighting, like a lot of teams were fighting for this playoff spaces, and mm. you know we've in the last three games has sort of shown that maybe just there's some stronger teams than us, yeah. and there's just not a lot you could do about that really. I suppose. What about relegation? Do you reckon? Burton are being cut adrift. I think Burton might just go down this year. Yeah, he just escaped it last year, surprisingly. 
Yeah, and I, I thought Nigel Clough did a fantastic job last year to keep them. Yeah, to keep them up. But oh, of course, they're I definitely just, a team punching above their weight. And I just can't, I can't see them surviving this year. Nice club and all that, but I just, I just don't think they. Yeah, they've got enough. I think. Uh, obviously, you have to look at the likes of Sunderland. They're, they're obviously in trouble down down there. Obviously, yeah, traveling up there Saturday. Um, Hull are obviously in trouble. Birmingham. Barnsley are down there. They've just lost Paul Heckingbottom as manager. It is it? It's a it's a tight it's tight at the Definitely at the tight. bottom. Is yeah. I've got this up in front of me, so you know it's very tight between sort of eighteenth. Even Reading aren't even that many. Re- points Reading on sounds a bit. Sheffield Wednesday. They're not too far. Not too far. Same with Forest. Is there? And then uh, QPR. QPR. That they've their QPR just te- seem to be sort yeah. of QPR Forest and Sheffield Wednesday probably. Normally a Just result, yeah. get a result when they need to, and besides, most of them will have to go and play Wolves, so they'll all lose that. So <laughs> yeah. Is, so, yeah, there's there's some teams down there. I think it's yeah. great to see uh, Bolton, who have had a lot of difficulties yeah. financially, um, seem to be picking up form there, up there in the form table since the start of October. Yeah. I'd probably say you almost think Sunderland. I think they've lost Lewis Graben. I think they they they'll struggle. I mean, it's still going to be a tough game on Saturday. There, yeah. And then Barnsley, Hull. It's a tough one to call. It's a tough It'd be very one surprising to, call. to see a club like Hull going down to League One, wouldn't it? But I mean, it's definitely a realistic possibility. You, you would, it would be very surprised. Yeah. I know we're, we're saying Sunderland could well I take think, the plunge, but it would have been very surprising to say a few years ago you could see Sunderland and Hull down there. So. Yeah, I think it's got to be between Burton and Sunderland, and then. Probably one of those teams fighting at the bottom. So I mean, yeah, between... probably up to Reading. Although I wouldn't rule out, say Sheffield Wednesday. For I mean, only a three, QPR four point gap. You know, Barnsley get one win and they go up yeah. about three places in the table. So yeah, it's, it, it, it's too close to call, but it's um, it, it is. Yeah. Uh, I think Burton probably maybe a bit doomed at this point, though. I I think it'd be very yeah. tough to see them coming back. Yeah. But Burton, I'd probably say gone. I think they mm. The gaps just between them and you know safety at this point is four points, which four is quite points. a big gap at this point. So. It's a big gap. It's obviously a manageable gap, but you you yeah. still just need some other results to go your way. Normally, when you're down there, sort of the day you win is everyone else wins as well. So uh, yeah. just just to just to irritate you, definitely. So if we go on to the next question, yeah, let's go on to that. So the next one is who would you go as with our strongest eleven? And I know this is something that we could, we could sit here for a very long time and talk about this. Well, let, let's show just go with the uh, we'll, we'll go the back, with the, the back five. We'll go with the easiest. We'll go with the easy one. Dan Bentley and goal. Good. No arguments there. Good. Nice, <laughs> we, and, nice we, and easy. We start with that, I suppose. And then you already got your first difficulty with a Dallas Guardian Aris. Dallas Guardian Aris or Clark? Yeah, even uh, Clark actually. It's very tough, isn't it? Yeah, I, I must say I liked uh, a Dallas Guardian. I, I, I think you probably have to go with Dallas Guardian yeah. for me. I'd I'd rather see Inaris in the centre midfield actually. I think I mean, Dalsgaard being the most natural at right back of the three are yeah. definitely the most experienced. Yeah, I'd, know, I'd rather international. I'd, so I'd rather Dalsgaard there. Uh, However, you know, two very capable backups. Yeah. So centre backs. That's a tough one. Is if, if we're looking at this weekend, if we assume Chris Meppham's recovered. Well, I think it's very very hard to see Meppham drop out but then you know as we've spoke about before when players get their chance like got does his John chance. Egan deserve to be dropped after Saturday's exactly it's it's a very tough one it's a tough one is you have to keep Andreas Bjelland he's been a constant he does I think not deserve to lose to, he does yeah. not deserve to lose his spot so at the minute it's basically just you know the debate between do you put Meppen or do you put Egan in this, is, alongside him do you it, is it's almost much of a muchness and in a way I think 
I think it would also maybe be good for someone like Mepham at this point is to go no John Egan's deserved to keep his spot yeah. is it would be good for him as well is I've still got to work to get get yeah. my place in the team and but bide your time I mean he has he has had to do that before so I think it, you can yeah. say that's fair left back if, if we're if we're saying best team with everyone fit it would Rico be Rico Henry, Henry. But at the moment, and then that puts Barbo back into the question of you know do you put him at centre back? I mean he's so been such a good player for us again. It's still a tough one. Is uh, I mean is do it... do you even put Henry straight back in the team? Do you not leave Barbo there? Because I mean obviously again he's been brilliant at left back. That's a tough he's one. He's been again. brilliant. You had Clark there on Saturday. He did a very good job. It, it's, people, it's we we've got to left back and we've argued over all four <laughs> positions the only one we've not argued about is Dan Bentley yeah. is people forget how good a squad this is of course in in reality is if we say everyone's fit it would have to be Rico Henry I'd say uh, um, I think if we look at the midfield I think this is probably where we get a no argument one Ryan Woods, Woods. yes <laughs> So uh, and then to me then it's, again there's an argument who do you put next to him is it Makocho or is it Yanaris to me I think Makocho I like Makocho more away from home still yeah and Sawyer's at home with Yanaris but then you can't drop Sawyer's at the moment he's... no I think Sawyer's has got to be in that team I, I can't yeah. see any way that he's not in it is you probably have you probably alternate between the three is Woods would be my constant yeah. and then you mix and match between that, those three for me as, yeah. as the uh, central midfielders. I mean, for me, like it, it, the only team names on that team sheet that you literally cannot not include for me is Woods, uh, Sawyer's, and Bentley. Just those three, because even the back four, like we've said, there's so many good options in there. I think like, the only one we sort of agreed on was Bieland. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. So at least at least you can see there's a good spine developing here. And then, and then if you look at the wingers, Flow. it's a tough one. Is based on this season, I think Flo's probably the Flo's best one. Probably done in very. Ollie's definitely stepped his game up this year. Flo. Yeah, he, he's he's improved a lot. Ollie's yeah. Ollie's had ups and downs, which I don't know. Mm. That's not criticism of him. It's what you expect from of a course. player that's. So come, that's, I mean, of course, he's gone up two divisions. He's young. He's playing in a new position. Yeah. Used to being more central, also. Yeah. I mean, Flo was obviously a January signing to go back, and you could probably say he was. He's been a yeah success successful one. But then it was also a low risk signing. He'd been out. Yeah. So he'd been out with an injury and all that. So, just to add to him, we hadn't forgotten him. But obviously, Sergio was the main one. Is it? It's a tough one. I, I like the idea of just flicking between the three. As you can almost, as they work yeah. well as a pair. Then you've also they can got all, Clark. very versatile. Can sort of all play on each side yeah. and you know mix and match. We a lot of the time we do see sometimes where Flo and Sergio will start you know right and left, and then you know up sixty minutes into the game you'll see them switch sides yeah. and. Things like that. So. Switch, and then you could have Clark there. I, I like sort of Clark and Dowsgaard at times. Working, yeah, they've had some good partnerships the against Derby, obviously before the Canos sending off. I think. Yeah. So that was that was Dowsgaard and Flo working well. Is there, there's a lot of good options there, and then you've got sort of the unknowns. I mean, we've not even mentioned Judge. No. Is the I think the thing with Judge at the moment is, I know you get fans remembering. We all know how good a player Alan yeah. Judge is, but there's also a case of. Certainly, from my perspective, is has the team moved on? Maybe? What have you done for me lately? Is yeah. the likes of Woods, Sawyer's, Yanaris, I'm definitely Mikocho someone that would agree have with done that. a lot. Yeah, have done a lot this season, and obviously, yeah. what Judge did was two years ago. It's not exactly. like, it's not disrespectful to him. I remember when Jota came back from his loan, and yeah. on Twitter, I was a very big advocate of 
I didn't want to see him in the first team straight away. And then that was never because I doubted his ability. It was just, you know, at the time we had a good squad and, you know, is a yeah. player like that, you know, someone who's been out on loan, he's not exactly had many minutes at Jota at this point. Do you, does he deserve to get thrown straight in the team? I mean, I mean, he got he probably proved that he did, but yeah. I still at the time, like, I still feel like the point stands. And I think you know, similar to this, like, do you throw a player like just because Judge was good, mm. he's not done anything for two years? We have a settled squad, it seems, and you know, it's very hard to throw someone like that in. Yeah, and also, is it helps in a way at times when they're on the bench. I mean, if you look yeah. at say, if you look at the two FA Cup games, I mean. Uh, Obviously, Brentford five one up against Eastley, and then you're seeing Hotter warming up, and then you're getting the fans going, singing "He's coming on" to the tune of Three Lions and yeah. all that, and getting excited. One of the most, it was probably got the biggest, bigger cheer than all five goals. Yeah, and obviously you get the same with judges when you're sort of on the bench for the Villa game and all yeah. that. Because if I was Dean Smith, I'd go, okay, if the crowd's a bit quiet here, judgey, go and warm up. Yeah, <laughs> and a judge warming up, all of a sudden Eating Road starts going. Yeah, and it gets the crowd up, so. It livens the crowd up. It's just little things like that. that of course, is in time. Judge will probably prove he, he's worth his spot. Obviously, he's looked impressive in the last two games. He's came on yeah. as a sub. We've definitely actually looked a better team with him on in those. Sorry, those last few minutes. Yeah, and then up front, I mean... Sorry, just to go back there, we yeah. haven't even discussed McEachern, we haven't discussed McLeod, we haven't discussed McCondas. Yeah, I think... I just think... even more names in that, obviously, obviously not a big argument to like start them necessarily at this point, but I mean, there's still, just to go back, there's so much depth there. Yeah. Good job we're not Dean Smith, <laughs> we'd be yeah, having definitely. headaches all night. And I don't then, know yeah. how Dean Smith is able to sleep at night with the options he's got, and then... To up front, then yeah, up it's front is, Mopai, I suppose. There's no... Is Mopai is obviously your main option at the moment, and... Uh, I'd, I'd I'd say I'd say there's a player there in him. I, I still think there's Looked there's a player there. Promising, Look, yeah. On Saturday, is I don't think Preston could handle him. Actually, they couldn't handle him legally. Yes. <laughs> anyway, is they yeah. had they kept on resorting to bringing him down. They they really were they really found, yeah. found him dangerous. Yeah, they've definitely definitely looked better than he has done in recent weeks. So. There's a very strong squad there. And then, of course, when Mopai's not playing, you know, you've got the potential to play uh, Sawyer's up front, uh, Sergi up front, Marconda's up front. So Watkins. Watkins. So, yep, there's, so, there's much, a... so much versatility in rotating around in this team that you can never really... I don't think... Even after this conversation, I don't think either of us probably know our best. Yeah, I think an answer to that question is, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the best <laughs> answer to put to that. There's some constants, but there's a lot of... There's a lot up for debate still. So if we go on to our next question, it's how can Brentford improve in breaking down teams that are clearly aren't trying to play football against us? It's a tough one. That happens a lot, it seems, against teams. Well, it's, little old Brentford. It, it's pretty much, I, mean, I think the last two teams, correct me if I'm wrong, and to my knowledge, that tried to really play football for, for most of the game were Fulham and Aston Villa. And they both got beaten. Is Bolton tried a bit, but they were obviously more difficult, hard to yeah. break down. Is a lot of teams. Is if I was an opposing manager, I would probably go. We're not going to be able to out football Brentford, so uh, yeah, we'll have to play this way. Is I don't blame them for that. You're their their, their job's to win a football game for their team. Yeah, but from Brentford's perspective, I, th- I think it's just more maybe a bit of patience, a bit of quality. Is it, I I keep on feeling that. Brentford almost have to be perfect to score goals against sides that are setting up like that. They've got yeah. to put every single pass right, or there's got to be a bit of individual brilliance. I mean, like Jota Zoom's goal. Yeah, controls the ball, turns, shoot. Is you just need either that bit of extra 
quality or maybe a, a little bit of luck but also you need to be tight at the back as well and that yeah and that that's also been an issue with, with, with teams being able to take leads and then they've got something to hold I think it. we've definitely improved on being tight at the back yeah of this season I think I think especially with the arrival of uh, Chris Mepperman to the starting eleven, we've definitely looked a lot less leaky at the back. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we definitely, I mean, people, you know, we have a very young squad, and I think that people sometimes seem to forget that at times. And with players mm-hmm. like Mepham, you know, first ever senior um, yeah. season, like you know, playing in a senior team, uh, you've got people like Ollie Watkins who's making a massive step up like in two entire divisions and playing in a new role you've got Mope he's only a young striker of maybe 21 and he's come into a new country playing in a completely different style of football and you know, there's so many players like this and we're such a young squad and there's so much potential in there and you can see that as the season has gone on we, we have adapted and we have definitely got better because of course the first 10-11 games where we barely even had a win I it's you know mm-hmm. in the competitor now where well maybe not the last three games but you know most of the season at least we've had so much better form so mm-hmm. yeah oh, I think there's a there's a clearly a, a good thing going at the club I say on that front okay so yeah the next question is so if Brentford do fail to get into the playoffs this season which I I think we both have to agree is probably looking likely now that we yep. won't get in. Uh, will we look back on the numerous amounts of draws, you know, that we sh- and games we should have won that's going to cost us? I think we can. I can answer that for you. Is yes, I, I think. Short answer: Yes. Yeah. Draws, con- conceding leads is. Yeah. Uh, if the table was to finish as it is now, roughly the same sorts of points gaps, is. I'd take that. I- I'd take it, but I'd also feel it was a missed opportunity. Is you can still even, even with the gap being at eight points, you can still pretty much point to eight points that yeah. Brentford have dropped. That I mean, it, yeah, like three games ago, it was it was what three points yeah. stuff. And yeah, you, know, you think about the, the first ten games of the season, how differently they could have been if, let's say, we'd got five wins in those first ten games, or three wins in those first ten games, yeah. even or we'd be in the playoffs at that point three games ago. So yeah, is it is I just feel it missed opportunities would be what I'd say in sort of both ends really. Okay, so the next question we've got is just about the Dean Smith contract situation. So I'll let you handle this, the expert. He's speaking to the club this week. That's what he told me last Thursday. And um, hopefully uh, come Thursday there'll be uh, more of an update. But to be honest, I could just see those talks being relative. If contract talks were to take place properly, I could, if it was me, I'd... To my understanding, the club are very happy with Dean. Dean's very happy at the club. I'm very happy with him at the club. I so, have to say, so is I don't think contract talks would be too. When is the contract up next season? Am I right? End of 2019. Yeah, so there's no rush to obviously get this push through. And I, I wouldn't say there's no rush. Is I, I think the example I've always looked at is Arsenal. Is if we look at last year, there's all this chatter about Wenger's contract yeah. and all that. And it, it it becomes a bit of a sideshow. Is for me, I I think the easiest thing, if it was up to me, if and if I was Matthew Benham, I would say, look, here's a here's a rolling contract. The the key things in a manager in a football manager head coach's contract are the compensation if they decide to sack you, yep. or how much the club will get if a club comes in for him. If we can, if the club can get those figures. <laughs> Yeah. Agreed with with Dean. I'd just go rolling contract. Yeah, I think the simple. majority of fans are very happy with him here. Um, I'm very happy with him here. I think yeah. that he's got a really good setup. Um, you know, he seems like he's got 
a good thing going with the players as well. So, mm. you know, I'd be, be very much ashamed to see him leave, which I, at this of course this moment, I'd be very unlikely to see him sacked anytime soon. I think the only realistic way I think we'll see him leave is maybe if another club comes in for him, which, mm. you know, could be a possibility at some point in the future. There's always been a lot of chatter between some of the Midland clubs <laughs> potentially wanting him, so... Well, there's there's always I think a lot of fans like a lot of Villa fans love him. Of course, I mean I know Dean's a Villa fan himself, but I think Villa fans are more some, than happy with Steve Bruce at the moment. I think some so. Sheffield Wednesday fans I've seen as well in the past. Again, you know, former player is yeah. I, I think he's certainly a safe pair of hands. He's he'll always keep doing a very solid job on the budget he's got. So he he yeah. he'll, he'll keep a side punch above their weight. So. Okay, so I, that's easy. I think we've pretty much yeah. covered that one. <laughs> so we're going to the next question, which personally is something I, d- I don't believe in at all. But the question anyway is, so looking at social media, uh, this, and just to state as well, this fan doesn't believe this either, thankfully, which I like. But anyway, he said that uh, there seems to be a number of fans that believe that Benham is just profiting from player sales and you know just to put the money in his pocket and you know has no interest in really putting any money back into the club. And he's just, I think it's rubbish, of course, but what do you think is the quote... Um, I'm trying to think of an answer that doesn't involve swearing. Um, it's complete and utter something. We'll we'll we'll, we'll leave yeah. it at that. Uh, or, to, or maybe to use the media term in this day and age, fake news or alternative facts. Definitely are. I, I it's complete rubbish. I mean, that that is. If we just put some just simple facts out, Matthew Benham has personally spent nineteen plus million on the club. Yep. That's he's. If he's that is money he's lost, as it were. That's not money he's he's not yeah. got. That's the full investment. He is not take that. That's the money that he's down. Yeah. So that for a starter, that fact makes it complete and utter nonsense. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, if you look at it in a very, I think I think the, these sorts of questions come up from people as well some of them possibly should know better but sort of those that sort of see the oh, I pay your wages type thing I yeah. pay, I've got my season ticket and all that just sort of doing some back of a fag packet calculations because obviously I've seen this question already is mm-hmm. I make it that's a guess just putting in some approximate season ticket sales an average season ticket price bear in mind obviously their child season tickets etc yeah and sort of the, comparing it with the on the day sales, I make it sort of that income from the supporters I probably put in the range of five million, sort of in that and that sort of ballpark. Yeah. If you look at the transfer fees, that pretty much covered the transfer fees for the season. Obviously yeah. there are things like sponsorship and then obviously the player sales. Yeah. But even with the player sales, Matthew Benham's still losing money. Yeah. So the, the, it, to to even be suggesting it, I, I just don't understand why people still think that. Cause yeah. it's complete nonsense. I think it's pretty ridiculous to state that you know he's got no interest in putting anything back into the club. I mean, obviously we break in these. I mean, maybe people might get upset because we bring in these big fees for players. Like, of course, the VBay fee reportedly three million, and you know maybe some people aren't happy that we've got in a replacement, but. At the end of the day, look at the last maybe four seasons. Look at these players that have left us, like Andre Gray, James Tarkowski, uh, Adam Forshaw, all of these lot. They've and all been replaced. Yeah, they've they've always always been replaced. Uh, people always were always very maybe not angry or upset at the time, but at the end of the day, the club has always proven that in the end, maybe not. Of course, it well yeah, it's the right decision. You know, or we always at least get a replacement in and. 
very rare instances that we've had a few players that have come in and obviously not lived up to expectations but I mean at the same time we've had a, with every club yeah of course that's going to happen with any club but at the same time a lot of players that have come in and lived up to expectations so and then all the chat about selling club Brentford will always be a selling club the argument I'll just put across Manchester United couldn't keep Cristiano Ronaldo away from Real Madrid Liverpool couldn't keep Luis Suarez away from Barcelona they're, they're yeah. the two biggest clubs in the country they can't keep Manchester United arguably the, <laughs> probably the most reputable club in the world probably argue, uh, maybe Real yeah. Madrid Cersei uh, a strong argument they can't keep their best players what hope have Brentford got of course I mean clubs you know like these mid-table Premier League clubs come knocking on the door we're to a small championship club and it's just yeah. going to happen isn't it mm. okay so we come down to our last question now which is uh, so looking at the B team set up uh, which player is most likely to make the step up next and the two players uh, focused on is Marcus and Mads Beck Sorensen I'd say I'd probably say those two at the moment probably um, agree is obviously we've seen Mads Beck Sorensen on the bench in, in games at times yeah. and the fact that Marcus Force has signed a, a new contract yeah. shows the club rating it and... shows the club rating and I must say I wouldn't be surprised maybe if there's a couple of injuries that maybe they're going to try and Promote him to the first team. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I think he'll be predominantly a B team player, but I think he's yes. going to have more time with the first team. Just just based yeah. on that club decision, is he's obviously the B team's top goal scorer. Yeah, I mean at so, the minute we need a striker. Part. I mean, we could do with a backup striker. Yeah. We're coming towards the last 15 games of the season, and it's looking like we're unrealistically not not going to be able to make the playoffs. So we've not as much to play for. Sort of just playing her in for around that top 10. Mm. You know, there's definitely a good chance that we may see an inclusion of the B team player here and there. So maybe Marcus Force on the bench, yeah. Matsbeck Sorensen on the bench, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, oh. maybe making a start or a, even a summer appearance. Like, of course, last season, you know, against Fulham, uh, when we didn't have much to play for. I think we saw Zane Westbrook's so debut. But Westbrook player, we've seen Theo Archibald play this season. We yeah. saw these Cole play as well previously. Yeah, Theo Archibald's one that's well almost forgot about Neil yeah. I mean of course he was making bench appearances at the start of the yeah. season and then so he's another player that you know, could definitely be in and around there and I'll, I'll tell you I'll, I'll, if Brentford can't go up or go down in any positions and Hull on the final day yep. can't go up or down any positions yep. if they're if it's not going to affect the relegation battle at all yeah. I'd play the B team the entire B team yep why not <laughs> is if there's going to make no difference in positional changes I think it'd be good to see at least a few of them I mean maybe people like Daniels in goal what? Uh, yeah what 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 harm can it really do a few of the backup players yeah. yeah I mean similar to sort of last season when we saw of course we played Blackburn at the end of the season and I mean we saw uh, still we, of course we come up with a strong team still we didn't have yeah. anything to play for but of course Blackburn did at the time and Black, Blackburn it, Blackburn had to fight for their lives and they wanted it more in that in that case. Obviously, if Hull were in a relegation fight, I would be purely arguing that you've got to take it professionally. Yeah. Um, but if there was, if there was no positional change on it, then and Brentford had maybe reached their, had broken their points tally from the last couple of years. Yeah. Why not play, play players from the B team or include players like I'll include players like Clark, for instance, on in that yeah. one just because obviously he's come through the ranks. Just play a team of players that's come that that's in your youth set up. Yeah. Give them that. Give them that taste of first team football. Yeah, yeah, you've had it. But it'd be um, great to have a our own youth academy player, of course, that comes in and hopefully goes on to be successful. Because in I 
cannot remember one player who's come through. The, I mean, maybe Kevin O'Connor, but then Kevin again, O'Connor, never. Carly Osborne, they're probably the only two, and obviously. While Kevin O'Connor had a great career for us, was never exactly was this top player that went on yeah. to the, like, never played in the top flight kind of thing. Yeah. And it'd be great to see, like, a player, say, so like, maybe you've got Ellery Balcom, yeah. um, you've got Josh Clark, maybe. So, like, the, one of those players like that, you know, maybe, or whoever, maybe it's someone that we've not even had through our academy yet, but yeah. it'd be great to see someone eventually come through and light the world up. Well, that that's it for the uh, questions. Thank you for submitting them. Um, I'll be up at Sunderland on Saturday and uh, we'll probably have another podcast for you after the uh, game with Birmingham or something like that. Anyway, we'll we'll see you ne- next time. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>